Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post show for July 31, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. Yes, Samoa Joe is in Twisted Metal. They conveniently left him out as Peacock promoted the show on Monday Night Raw tonight. Yes, Samoa Joe is indeed in Twisted Metal. Don't get it twisted. WWE wants to be petty as fuck, man. As usual, on Monday night. 
Just want to throw that in there in case you guys missed that. Uh, I know some of you uh, social media sleuths picked up on that, but it goes without saying, man. It's WWE. I'm not surprised by anything that they do anymore. Monday night. Usually a go-home show is supposed to get you excited about a pay-per-view. WWE, and I'm blaming AEW as well because they don't do it well at all anymore either. Their go-home shows don't really do anything to enhance the pay-per-view that the show is going into. AEW typically has a great follow-up show all the time. Every single time they have a great follow-up show. WWE, they don't even do that right. They don't do that right. These shows are supposed to get you excited about SummerSlam. There really isn't much that WWE can do to get us excited about SummerSlam. The build has been lazy. It has been fucking lazy. I don't know why everybody just overlooks the fact that WWE pieced this shit together in about three fucking weeks. You're all excited about what exactly? What, what, what exactly are you excited for outside of a thing here and a, and, and a thing there? Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, fine. Everybody's excited about that. It's the fucking greatest story possibly of all time. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. I mean, it should be a fine match. I hope it's better than their last match at Money in the Bank. But I'm not dying to see this match because of the story that they've told on TV. What else is happening at SummerSlam? Brock and Cody, don't even get me started. What exactly is going to happen on Saturday night? Cody's going to get the victory, and then we'll be on to the next show. What everybody should really be asking is, what happens to Cody Rhodes after he beats Brock Lesnar? Because you know what's going to happen. What is Cody going to do after Brock Lesnar? They think putting a fucking video package together with really, really, really shitty music is going to somehow wipe away the fact that there's no explanation. You ain't getting that one past me. You're not going to sweep that one under the rug so easily, Vince. There is no reason why this match is happening, and a video package will do nothing to enhance that. Ricochet and Logan Paul. WWE, if they want to hang their hat on something that they've done right outside of the bloodline this SummerSlam build, it's been Ricochet and Logan Paul. I thought Logan Paul tonight was fucking great. I thought he delivered a great promo. Massive heat. Him and Ricochet are going to have a banger. I really do think that that match is going to steal the entire show. So good on them. They got something right this SummerSlam build. Outside of that, you got Gunther and Drew McIntyre, which, I mean, there really isn't a story there. There really isn't. McIntyre basically is the best option for Gunther at this point because there is nobody else. That should be a great match. I'm looking forward to that one, too. But, I mean, the lack of story coming into SummerSlam on most of these matches is quite concerning. I could say the same thing about All In. Have you seen that Dynamite show on Wednesday night? I don't know what anything on that show has to do with what's going to happen potentially at All In. Tony Khan has not announced one fucking match, and we're going into August. Not one match. The only inkling of a match that we got for All In 
is Andrade throwing down a challenge to Malachi Black on Twitter today. Which I hope actually comes true. I think that would be a fun match at All In. And outside that, this go-home show didn't really do much to go home. In fact, I wish it stayed home and didn't come out to play, honestly. Very boring show. Very boring show. No excitement. But that doesn't mean it was a terrible show. There were things on this show that I actually did like. Chad Gable was one of them. Chad Gable, I've been preaching Chad Gable fucking to you guys for for years. Chad Gable's great. Chad Gable and Gunther had a fantastic TV match tonight, as did Ludwig Kaiser and Matt Riddle. I love those two things that happened on tonight's show. The Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey video uh, sit-down, back and forth, documenting their match at SummerSlam. That was fucking great. Absolutely fantastic stuff there by Ronda and Shane. We'll talk about that. But outside that, there was really nothing on this show that did anything as far as my excitement levels for SummerSlam. We will go over all that. I appreciate you guys sticking with me tonight on this very boring Monday Night Raw. We're going to go over all this in just a little bit, but I want to thank you guys first and foremost for being here. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Make sure you guys go and check me out on social media. Really, really appreciate it. If you guys want to keep up to date on everything that's going on, Twitter is the best way to do that. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. We are getting close to that 148,000 subscriber mark. Can't do that without you guys. We had a great weekend. Really great weekend. Coming out of SmackDown, going into Collision, that big video that I did on the women's division in AEW and the drama surrounding that. That did tremendous numbers. Then we had NXT... Great American Bash last night. We had almost 2,000 live in here for an NXT show. Appreciate you guys very much, man. We're closing out July very, very strong. So hit that subscribe button down below and turn on that bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content. Like I mentioned on the channel, it's all on the homepage for you. I'm hoping to have some good news come my way in... uh, well, it looks to be a few days now. I've been hyping up a big announcement. I haven't heard back on what this is going to be about, but I'm going to be a part of something that I want to let you guys in on, and I need to wait until I get the official word. Also, Jesse and I will be in London at the end of the month. Meet and greet will be happening. I'm still ironing down details on where the meet and greet will be. You know, picking a bar for us to hang out in, in a country that I've never been, is very difficult. I want to make sure it's right. I want to make sure there's a lot of space. And I want to make sure you guys are going to have a good time. That there's going to be drinks. And there's going to be food. But that's coming as well. So keep an eye on the socials for that. And tomorrow night... 
My guy Andrew Baydala and I will be live with episode number seven of TNT, Tuesday Night Titans. So make sure you guys join us live tomorrow night. Should be a really fun time. We're going to go over all the hottest stories in pro wrestling. And then we're going to have a big, big, big SummerSlam preview and predictions tomorrow night. Super Chats are open, guys. Also, get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. I want to thank Jabril Mohammed, Wallach Wall, Scripps, Tony Brown, Sean Ray J, Michelle Moran, and MGM Bolin for the Super Chats already. Get them on in. As always, we'll hang out at the end of the show for last call. Start off with Monday Night Raw, man. We're going to get right into it here. We start off with Ricochet and Logan Paul opening up Raw. We got clips of the last exchange between Ricochet and Logan Paul. We go back to live action, and Logan Paul is in front of the audience asking Houston to allow him to welcome them to Monday Night Raw. Logan got big-time booze here. Very nice reaction here for Logan Paul. He says, I have this thing where I don't like talking to brain-dead people for too long, so I'll make this quick. Sounds like me. I'm not here for y'all. I'm here for Ricochet. He paused because he was getting an overwhelming amount of booze. Then we got a you suck chant. And he said last week that he just wanted to build up the hype for their match at SummerSlam, but then he was sneak attacked and victimized and abused. Sounds like me on a Monday night. Victimized and abused on a Monday night. He began fake crying and freaking out at the thought of Ricochet embarrassing him. He says he's going to beat Ricochet at SummerSlam in the most viral match in WWE history. You know that these two guys are going to go in there and do some crazy shit. So when he says it's going to be the most viral match in WWE history, I do believe Logan Paul and Ricochet will deliver on that promise. He said there is nothing he won't do. Ricochet comes out, fans cheered and started a Rick O'Shea chant. Said last week he was in his live stream. This week he's in Logan Paul's head. He says he's trying to spin the story to make him the good guy, but he's not the big boy. He entered the ring. He thinks Logan Paul is still a horrible human being, but he does respect that he's an athlete, a competitor, and a showman, and he can always at least respect that aspect of Logan Paul. Logan Paul said, you know what? I really appreciate that, Ricochet. Fans continue to chant, you suck. He said, Ricochet is one of the greatest to ever do it until he showed up. He says, they're not that different. He says they think alike, and he said their issues didn't begin at Money in the Bank. They started with a springboard double clothesline crashing into each other at the Royal Rumble. They showed clips of the Royal Rumble highlight that they did together, and then he says, I really got it, don't I? He says they're going to put on one hell of a match. Ricochet began to leave. Logan says he had one more thing he wanted to say. He said at the end of their match, and this is where Logan Paul just gets it. 
This was great. He said at the end of that match, the ring announcer will announce the winner of our match on Saturday night at SummerSlam. He pointed over at Samantha Irvin. And he said, Ricochet, isn't that your fiance? He says he hopes there's no hard feelings when I have your girl saying, and the winner is Logan Paul. He smiled and he waved at Irving at ringside, who kind of gave him a nasty look and basically threw it in Ricochet's face that his girl, his fiance, is going to be saying Logan Paul's name at the end of the night. So Ricochet, obviously upset at this, attacked Logan Paul. Ricochet avoided a Logan Paul clothesline. He ducked under. He did a kip up, followed with a big high kick to the side of the head on Logan Paul. He then springboarded at him. Logan knocked him out of midair with a big right hand. Logan smiled, put his hat back on, and then he videoed himself laughing at Ricochet. That's the way the segment came to an end. I thought this was good stuff. I really, really thought this was good stuff by Logan Paul. Uh, I mentioned that he gets it. He just gets it, man. He is a consummate heel, a great heel, and Ricochet is a good enough baby face where he's going to get this shit over and he's going to get the sympathy of the crowd and the fans at SummerSlam are going to eat this shit up and when they say it's going to be the most viral match in WWE history, it's going to be the most viral match in WWE history. This is going to be fantastic. Now, I heard a rumor going around that Logan Paul and Ricochet may actually open the show because Logan Paul needs to get to Texas to go watch his brother box. So I don't know if that's the case or not. Regardless of that or not, I would have this match open the show anyway. If Logan Paul didn't need to immediately leave the building after this match was over, I would have this match open the show anyway. Because that's the type of match that this is going to be. This match could easily set the table for what could be a very good show on Saturday night. What will be a very good show. I mean, the card is a solid card. The build and the card are two, two, two completely different things. The build sucks. The card, not so much. It's a decent card. But I would absolutely have this match open on Saturday night. Very much looking forward to it. And Logan Paul, you might not like him. You might not really dig what he's doing. You might kind of resent him being there because he's not a professional wrestler. But every time he gets in the ring, he's going to fucking deliver a great match. He's done it already with some of the biggest names in the WWE. He's going to do it again with somebody that is basically his equal in Ricochet. And his mic work, this was probably the most comfortable that Logan Paul has sounded on the microphone. His mic work tonight was really, really good stuff. Set the tone for what is going to be a very, very good match. Ricochet, obviously, is the biggest star WWE-wise. He's the more veteran of the two here. But I would say he isn't that terrible on the microphone that people make him out to be. He definitely has a weird cadence about him, does Ricochet. He definitely needs to work on that. He almost sounds a little corny when he starts speaking. And when he gets a little bit more serious, that's when he really shines. He hasn't been all that terrible on the microphone, but Logan Paul clearly has outshone him on the microphone. That's a problem. That's the only thing that's, that's keeping Ricochet from really reaching his true potential in the WWE, honestly. It's his cadence, his, his promo. So, regardless of that, I'm very much looking forward to this match. Outside of Gunther, McIntyre, Reigns, and Jey Uso, this is my third 
match, the third match on Saturday night that I'm looking most forward to at SummerSlam. Jackie Redmond interviewed Gunther, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser backstage. Gunther scolded Kaiser and says he has a chance to redeem himself against Matt Riddle. He said this Saturday he will go on to personally end Drew McIntyre once and for all. You know, I don't really like that WWE is teasing a breakup of Imperium or, you know, this is not the only group that they've done this with. They've teased like dissension in a lot of their factions. I don't know what Vince McMahon has against factions now. Triple H put everybody in a faction, in a group. I like that. It's faction warfare. But the teases about dissension in Imperium, especially with Gunther and Vinci a couple of weeks back, and then tonight he had a problem with Ludwig Kaiser. I mean, that's not really what we need. I mean, I I don't know why anybody would even think creatively that's a good idea, breaking up Imperium. Like, what would you do with those guys if they weren't aligned with Gunther? So I'm glad that all of this kind of died down tonight. I guess they are looking for some sort of... They're, they're looking for some sort of intrigue, potentially going into the match with Drew McIntyre, but that's not the way you go about it at all. Really. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because Matt Riddle and Ludwig Kaiser, they open the show in ring one-on-one. Now, Kevin Patrick said that Gunther is expressing disappointment in Ludwig Kaiser, and, you know, I'm wondering why it took him so long to end up being disappointed with Ludwig Kaiser. I mean, WWE really hasn't positioned them as winners. WWE hasn't done their job to make Imperium outside of Gunther look credible. They may be one of the best tag teams on the planet. But here you have these two guys in WWE, and every single time you see them, they end up losing a fucking match. They are good hands. They are the henchmen of Gunther. They're there to make Gunther look good. At some point, you're going to have to make them look good. Because when they keep losing, that's a direct reflection on Gunther. You don't want that to happen. And let's be real. Kaiser and Vinci are fucking studs. They should not be losing matches, whether it's one-on-one or in a tag team. These are two guys that WWE clearly should be getting behind. Ludwig Kaiser is greatly underrated. I've said this in their days when they were in NXT. I I said that this is pound for pound the best tag team in the entire fucking company when that bell rings. Vastly underrated is Ludwig Kaiser. You saw what He is capable of in a singles capacity. Now, we know Matt Riddle is good. But this was a very good TV match. Very good between these two guys. I don't know what it is with Matt Riddle, man. That was another talking point in this match. He got sent out there to have an 11-minute match with Ludwig Kaiser. Solid TV match. Only for Matt Riddle to end up losing, which clearly was the right decision. Ludwig Kaiser needed a win here. But I expected Matt Riddle to go over, to be quite honest with you. So I was quite shocked when Ludwig Kaiser got the victory. Riddle had control early, took Kaiser down repeatedly. Kaiser gained control with a back elbow and a forearm. Kaiser worked a side headlock. 
Riddle fought out of it, landed some gut-wrench suplexes on Ludwig Kaiser. Two traded strikes. Riddle hit a fisherman suplex for a two-count. Riddle then lifted Kaiser, but Kaiser worked out of it and ran Riddle into the ring post. He followed up with a drop kick and a European uppercut, which sent Riddle to the outside. Riddle then came back and regained control with some big moves, high-flying moves. We got a commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Kaiser landed a kick to Matt Riddle's head. Riddle fought back with some chops, some kicks. He then landed an exploder, a broton. He's got the momentum now. Riddle hit a German suplex for a near fall. Riddle then landed a broton, and then he went for another one, but Kaiser got the knees up. Riddle was quickly distracted here after he started to make another comeback. And he came back with a knee to the head and a powerbomb for a very close near fall on Ludwig. Riddle went for the bro. Derek Kaiser countered it into a roll-up. He gets a cover and a two-count. They traded strikes in the middle of the ring, and Riddle knocked Kaiser down before going for a moonsault. Kaiser moved at the last second, and then he hit his finisher, which was a, it looked like a hammerlock DDT of sorts. Very nicely done by Ludwig Kaiser. And Kaiser gets the one, two, three on Matt Riddle. At the end of the match, Gunther gets into the ring. He extends his hand for a handshake, and he shakes Gunther's hand, does Ludwig Kaiser. Now, WWE needs to continue to make Kaiser and Vinci look strong. They should be a solid tag team with WWE getting behind them instead of making them just be the henchmen of Gunther who are there to take all the losses while Gunther is built up. I hope that changes. I really do. Matt Riddle, on the other hand, I don't know where they are going with Matt Riddle. I really, really don't. The fact that Matt Riddle, and hear me out on this, the fact that Matt Riddle and Imperium are still battling going into SummerSlam and Matt Riddle doesn't have any real clear direction, the fact that he's feuding still with Imperium means to me one of two things. One, Matt Riddle is getting buried on TV as some sort of punishment. I don't know what for, but Matt Riddle has not looked good on TV. He's looked good in the ring because he's a great fucking wrestler, but he has zero momentum. Going into SummerSlam. He's not on the SummerSlam card. He's got zero momentum. He hasn't really done much of anything. And he's been on the receiving end of Imperium beatdown after beatdown after beatdown on Monday night. So I don't know if this is WWE punishing Matt Riddle. Or if WWE has another plan here for Matt Riddle in the form of Randy Orton coming back. Now, I don't foresee Gunther losing the the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam. Not yet anyway. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. WWE is so fucking close to getting him the all-time intercontinental title record held by the honky-tonk man that it would be fucking creative malpractice for them to get us all this way for him to just drop the fucking title one month before he breaks the record. If WWE wants to prolong this, they absolutely can. If there's one guy that deserves to have the all-time record, it's Gunther. Gunther may be the greatest intercontinental champion that this company's ever seen. He certainly has the resume to back that statement up. He has the match catalog on the main roster alone in this reign to back up that claim. So I would not have Gunther lose the title at SummerSlam. What I'm doing is getting through SummerSlam into payback, and then WWE gets Gunther to wherever he needs to go to drop the title. If it's Drew McIntyre, if it's Matt Riddle, if it's Chad Gable, if it's Randy Orton himself, I do think that we get through SummerSlam with Gunther still the Intercontinental Champion. I do think Randy Orton shows face either at SummerSlam or on Monday Night Raw the following night. He's back, and he's back on TV, which he sorely needed and missed, Randy Orton is. Then we get the big six-man tag at Payback, and then after that, We can do whatever we got to do with Gunther. Maybe he drops the title the following week because at that point, he would have broken the honky-tonk man's record. That's how we prolong this. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here because Matt Riddle and Imperium still feuding certainly is leading to something. Otherwise, I don't know why they would be burying Matt Riddle for absolutely no reason. But this was a very good TV match. Very good. A lot of people say, oh, J.D.'s negative about WWE. He doesn't like Monday Night Raw. I thought tonight was a good show. I I never said it wasn't a good show. It was a boring show. Monday Night Raw is fucking boring at three hours. I mean, there's 16, 17 segments on a three-hour Monday Night Raw, and, and you're lucky if you get a fourth of them actually meaning anything. This was one of those segments on a three-hour Monday Night Raw that I thoroughly enjoyed because Matt Riddle's great, Imperium's fucking great, And Ludwig Kaiser can wrestle his fucking ass off. Awesome. Maxine Dupree. She went one-on-one with Valhalla. This was her in-ring singles debut on Monday Night Raw. You know, I want to say I commend Maxine Dupree for getting in the ring and wanting to wrestle. I read a report where Chad Gable, I believe, with Otis, I I think they were on after the bell with Corey Graves, mentioned that Maxine Dupree has been in the gym training. She's been in the ring training and learning as much as she can to get into that women's division and prove that she's got what it takes to compete in this division. I commend that. 
I do. But I also, at the same time, have to ask, why are we putting so much focus on Maxine Dupree in the women's division when WWE has Piper Niven, Mia Yim, Indy Hartwell that they called up from NXT, who was making a big splash on on NXT Tuesday night. Where is Candice LeRae? Where is Caden Carter? Where is Casey Cotanzaro? Where are all these women? Nikki Cross. Where where is Emma? Where are all these women in WWE that seemingly have fucking disappeared into the in, into the void? Disappeared into fucking catering. It's like catering is in another dimension. Where are those women? And why are we not pushing those women and giving those women TV opportunities? Giving them storylines. Now, we we got Maxine Dupree on television because she's feuding with Valhalla. I, I get that WWE wants to push new women. Great. But you got a whole fucking locker room of women that haven't gotten one single fucking opportunity since the goddamn draft. We got to balance this shit out. We do. Now, Maxine Dupree is greener than my neighbor's fucking lawn. She did not look good in there. I don't give a shit how long she's training. I don't really give a shit what she's doing in the fucking PC. She did not translate what she was doing at the PC into this match with Valhalla. Greener than all of my neighborhood's fucking front lawn. She wasn't good. But this is what Vince wants. This is what Vince wants. And at the end of the day, you know what? It's a feel-good fucking angle. It's a feel-good group of people. Chad Gable is fucking phenomenal. Otis is great. I love both of those guys. Maxine Dupree, I don't really get the pairing. I don't. I don't find it entertaining. I don't. But this is what Vince wants. This is what Vince wants. I don't like it. Now, the match itself went three minutes. Three minutes. I'm surprised she lasted three minutes. I expected this to go maybe half that. Valhalla jump-started the match with a shotgun knee right to Maxine. Valhalla whipped Dupree around and grabbed her by the hair. She worked on Maxine with a submission, but Dupree came back with a very sloppy-looking arm drag. Dupree then landed a fisherman suplex and a splash in the corner. Otis and Gable stood on the ring apron. Dupree did the worm. She mimicked Otis's worm or caterpillar. Not good. This was not good. And she landed an elbow drop off of the caterpillar. Dupree went to the top, hit a crossbody. Eric jumped onto the ring apron to break things up and cause a distraction. Maxine is standing there like a fucking dumbass. <laughs> She's standing there looking at Eric. Get involved, and and Valhalla attacks from behind. So Gable goes up top, and he takes out the Raiders on the outside with a big moonsault. Valhalla took back control, and then they went back to the top rope. Maxine Dupree worked out of it and landed what is known as a Japanese ocean cyclone suplex with the one, two, three, and Maxine got the win over Valhalla. It's great. She got her first victory on Monday Night Raw. Fantastic. Now let's get the other women that I just mentioned on TV and let's give them an opportunity. Candice LeRae is one of the more accomplished wrestlers 
that WWE has signed one of the more accomplished female stars that they've signed and can go out there and give you a fucking banger match every single night. You got Nikki Cross, who's sitting around, who dropped the fucking terrible gimmick that she was given as this fucking butterfly superhero to go back to what she was doing with the crazy Nikki Cross. She is a very accomplished professional wrestler. We got Emma. We got Mia Yim. We got Indy Hartwell. We got Casey Cotton-Zaro and Caden Carter. Tegan Knox. Where Piper Niven. Where are these women? I don't hear of any injury report. No, but we're going to push Maxine Dupree on TV. And, and it's a double-edged sword because Maxine is somebody that they clearly have a lot of, you know, interest in pushing. And she's a new face. So it's a double-edged sword. Here I am complaining that they're pushing Maxine and not the other women. But Maxine is a new face and everybody deserves an opportunity. All WWE needs to do is even out the playing field. We can have Maxine and Maxine can be included, but also include the other women. Where is everybody else? It's a really shitty situation. It really, really is on Monday night. In WWE in general, as a, as a whole division. Maxine gets the win over at Valhalla. This will be forgotten by tomorrow when you wake up. Moving on. Shinsuke Nakamura was shown backstage. Champa walks in and confronts Shinsuke. Champa said tonight, He's going to fix the problem that they have. Champa said he needs to pick up some momentum, and he's going to start against Nakamura before winning the Battle Royal at SummerSlam. Nakamura says he's going to win the Battle Royal and show, uh, or and then go back to the ring, you know, and beat him up as well. So, so Nakamura and Champa were. Uh, they had a match tonight, and then we get this backstage segment. We go right to the ring, and Judgment Day is standing in the ring. Shocking, I know. Judgment Day didn't start the show off and didn't have fucking five segments in the first hour. This was the legitimately the first time that we've seen Judgment Day on Monday Night Raw, right at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. So Damian Priest and everybody else there in Judgment Day standing in the middle of the ring. He's speaking Spanish and told everyone to rise for Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley said Raw doesn't start until Judgment Day says it does. Ripley then referenced putting Liv Morgan on the shelf. Damian Priest wondered who might stop them and mentioned Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. Priest said Judgment Day took care of all of them and nobody can stop the Judgment Day. Finn Balor speaks. He called Seth Rollins someone who wants to look insane. Balor said, insanity is waking up every day for the last seven years and seeing the scars that he inflicted. Balor talked about how Rollins ruined his career. He then says he can't erase the scars, but he will inflict scars on Rollins. Balor said those scars will make him feel better. All of a sudden, Dirty Dom, he tried to speak. Crowd booed the shit out of him. Dominic says he's going to bring back the Mysterio name. Ripley spoke up and talked about how Raquel Rodriguez, (laughs) Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez, 
Good old Raquel out there. She talked about Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez running and hiding from her. And then all of a sudden, Raquel music, or Raquel's music hits, and she walked to the ring. And believe it or not, folks, she did not smile. She did not smile on this night. She walked to the ring. Rodriguez and Ripley brawled inside the ring. Rodriguez clotheslined Ripley over the top rope and threw Ripley into the guardrail. Rodriguez started to throw Ripley around ringside. And then all of a sudden, she was shot blocked. And Rhea Ripley found an opening there, took her knee out. Officials ran out to try and keep Ripley away from Raquel. And that was the way they ended the segment. I thought this was fine for what it was. Judgment Day didn't get a lot of time on tonight's show outside this and in the main event. And I know I have been saying that WWE is on the brink. They're not there yet, but if they do continue down this path, they will be there. They are on the brink of overexposing the Judgment Day. They are. I don't give a shit what you say. They're on the brink of overexposing the Judgment Day. Less is more. Quality over quantity. I'm sure you guys understand these these words and these statements. I don't like to see the same group every single fucking week, five days a week, six segments a show. They're on Monday. They're on Tuesday. They're on Friday. They were on Sunday. They were all over the fucking Dominic Mysterio match. I mean, holy shit. Rhea Ripley was the star of that match. That great American bash helping Dominic Mysterio retain the North American title against Wesley and Mustafa Ali. She had the biggest part in the entire match. One of the biggest and most viral parts of the entire show Rhea Ripley had last night. I mean, including a pay-per-view, that was four shows last week they were on. Four. That's a little overboard, don't you think? I don't know about you guys, man, but they never overexposed the bloodline like that. Never did they overexpose the bloodline like that. I really wish they would tone it down. Tonight was the first time all month that WWE toned down the Judgment Day. They didn't really say anything outside the norm. They all stated their case. Priest is the money in the bank guy. Balor's going to inflict seven years of scars on Seth Rollins. Dominic gets booed, half of which is piped in. And Rhea Ripley, Judgment Day runs Monday Night Raw. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Fucking ridiculous, man. Every single week, it's the same shit. Moving on. Kevin Patrick threw it to a video package that went over the history of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And this was incredible stuff. It really was. This might have been one of the best parts of the entire show tonight. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. His video package. Let's talk about that. They documented their friendship. They documented their friendship all through MMA, leading to the WWE, Ronda getting into the WWE. They documented that Ronda let all of her friends stay with her and live with her. Sparring partners were Ronda and Shayna Baszler. This was incredible stuff. It really was. It actually made me, now this, I said this in the open, they didn't really do much to get you excited about anything else on this show tonight. 
They did a great job in getting me interested in Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler because I had zero interest coming into this match going into SummerSlam. What they did tonight was drastically change my outlook on this match. I thought this was fucking great. This might have been, single-handedly, the best thing that Ronda and Shayna have done all year. This was the best portrayal of both women on WWE television all year. And this is a call to action for WWE. I don't give a shit what they need to do. I don't give a shit who it includes or what you got to go out there and do as far as telling a story. We need to see more of what we saw with this video package with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler with other people at different, po- at different points building to whatever they're building to. In general, we need to see more of this. That was a great way to get interest from people into this match. It, it, it definitely reminded me of what Triple H used to do back in NXT. This is a Triple H move. It is. This is exactly what he did on NXT Black and Gold. Love that. Triple H always tried to do things a little bit differently with Black and Gold, whether it was a sit-down backstage or a contract signing a face-to-face, a video promo like this that was pre-recorded with one woman in Ronda who's not really a good promo and another woman in Shayna who is a very good promo. This was fantastic stuff. They told a better story in this fucking video package thrown in there throughout the night than they could have ever told in the ring in front of a live audience. Sometimes you got to take the weaknesses of some of these women and some of these performers and highlight their strengths. It's exactly what they did here. Ronda in front of a live audience is fucking awful. With a microphone in her hand, she is awful. Shayna is great. But you can't really have Shayna outshine Ronda on the microphone. So what do we do? We bring them both down to an equal level And Ronda in a closed setting, in a pre-taped environment where she's not fucking struggling to find the words to say, where she can actually show human emotion. She looked fucking great. I mean, after all this time, it's fucking sad that they couldn't get much out of Ronda Rousey this year. And within fucking five minutes of what they did here tonight... They highlighted the strengths of Ronda Rousey and made her look better than any other time all year in 2023 with this video. It's amazing. It really is amazing. I thought this was great shit. Now, the match is slated to be MMA rules. I don't know what that means. Clearly, we're not getting a fight pit. Everybody was like, fight pit, fight pit, fight pit. That would have been great. I don't know the layout of Ford Field. I don't know what they're going to be able to do with the fight pit. You know, hanging above the ring and making room for it in Ford Field, which I don't think would be a problem. But this match is going to be contested under MMA rules. Should be interesting. I thought this was good stuff. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar walked out. And he's in the ring. He's wearing his cowboy hat. He's got his vest on. He's ready to address Cody Rhodes. Are we going to get... An explanation. That's why Brock Lesnar is feuding with Cody Rhodes. He introduced himself. Hi, my name is Brock Lesnar. 
I am a former NCAA heavyweight champion. UFC heavyweight champion. WWE heavyweight champion. He said if there's one thing he knows about championships is that this is fight week. He said the hype is over and this Saturday at SummerSlam and then begin the what chance. Brock basically played into every what chant and he did not give a fuck. Brock played into every what chant, spoke slowly so that the crowd could get their what chants in and he looked at these fucking fans with a demeanor like, you guys are fucking marks. He played into all the what chants. Every word. What? 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 God, I fucking hate wrestling fans. Brock said the hype is over and this Saturday at SummerSlam. He gets paid to kick Cody Rhodes' ass at SummerSlam. So Cody gets paid to get his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar. He then called Cody to the ring. He wanted Cody to come out there and shake his hand. Cody answered, and he walked out. Obviously, Cody walks out. He's in his ring gear. He gets to the ring, and the fans do, Whoa! Gotta get your whoa in there. He gets in the ring. He was dressed to fight. Cody circled the ring. He eyed Lesnar. Cody entered the ring. And Brock took off his cowboy hat. Cody offered a handshake. He took Brock up on his handshake. Lesnar stared at Cody and shook his hand. Lesnar stepped towards Cody. He shoulder checked him a little bit. He got in his ear. He had some words for him off the microphone. He walks away from Cody Rhodes. He exits the ring. Cody, as Lesnar was turning and leaving the ring, Cody runs the ropes, dives through the ropes, and surprised Lesnar with a tope suicida, knocking him down on the outside, throwing some punches as he mounted Brock Lesnar on the aisleway. So Lesnar then picks up Cody and ran him into the, into the steel steps on the outside. He then picked up the top portion of the stairs and bashed Cody in the shoulder with it like he's done every single fucking attack we've seen so far. He then hit Cody with the stairs again. Lesnar's music played. He put his hat back on. He went back at Cody and hit him with the stairs for a third time. His music stopped. Lesnar threw Cody back in the ring and gave him an F5. I don't know how any of this makes Cody look good. I don't. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Nothing. Nothing has been different at all about any of this, and it's fucking lame. It really is lame. I don't know how anybody is excited about this whatsoever. People are asking me, why are you still complaining about a fucking lack of story? It's Brock Lesnar. He could do whatever he wants. This is the mentality of a fucking idiot who's got the IQ of a fucking empty soda can. Everything you do in this life needs a fucking reason. 
The most important question in pro wrestling is why. Why is this happening? Why is this match taking place? Why did Brock attack Cody Rhodes? Then I got people trying to hang on to the little fucking thread of hope that they have, that they're going to get one over on me. Oh, well, Don Callis, they don't know why he attacked Kenny Omega and why he turned on Kenny Omega. Well, if you watch AEW Dynamite and you watch AEW television, you would have known why Don Callis turned on Kenny Omega. He fucking said so himself. The best one was tonight. The best one was tonight. Some geek on social media told me that, oh, well, Orange Cassidy's title reign is absolutely nothing. I don't see you complaining about that. There's no storyline regarding Orange Cassidy's international championship title reign. I'm sorry, what? Please tell me you don't watch AEW television without telling me you don't watch AEW television. Orange Cassidy's international title reign is the story. Jesse and I have documented that several times on Wednesday night. If you're not paying attention, that's not my fucking fault. You go to school, you got to pay attention to pass the teacher's test. You want to fucking pay attention when I talk, you're going to get fucking eaten alive if you don't. His entire title reign is the fucking story. Scratching and clawing, getting more difficult for him to win matches, every single title defense that he has. He's come out wearing fucking different kinesio tape every single fucking time. This guy's got more kinesio tape on him more and more every single week. Barely winning matches, scratching to get by, taking on all challengers. Fuck are you talking about? I mean, I don't get these people. I really don't understand you people. It's okay because it's Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. It's two megastars. They don't need a story. I'm sorry. Everything you watch needs a fucking story. I mean... Watch The Walking Dead. I mean, if you went through fucking all seasons of The Walking Dead and you didn't find out what the fucking reason was for why everybody was turning into a zombie, would you be fucking pissed if they didn't tell you? Of course you would. Breaking Bad is one of the greatest shows that I've ever sat down to watch, ever. If Walter White was stuck in the fucking desert, living out of an RV, cooking up whatever the fuck he was cooking, and that was it, And he didn't explain why he did what he did. Wouldn't you be fucking pissed? Would you watch the fucking show with the utmost interest? No. No, you wouldn't. I don't really understand how people are just letting this one slide by. Now, I will give you guys a sliver of fucking hope. I will give you guys a sliver of hope. There could be a reason. There could be a reason we could see something play out on Saturday night. I'm not holding my fucking breath for something to play out for an explanation. 
Maybe Brock Lesnar is a hired gun by Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman reconciled his relationship with Brock Lesnar behind Roman Reigns' back, thinking that he was doing a good deed to take care of Cody Rhodes so that Cody Rhodes would not be an issue for the tribal chief. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we get that on Saturday night. Maybe we get that after all of this is over with Cody Rhodes. But again, I'm not holding my breath. Would I be accepting of that of that explanation? Sure I would. Because I can't deny the history of Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. That would actually make sense. But did we really have to wait four fucking months to get there? You're watching a saga play out. They want to build this thing as a fucking saga playing out. How could you have a saga between Lesnar and Cody Rhodes if there is absolutely zero explanation for why the match is even taking place to begin with? Match one had no explanation. Match two had no explanation. Match three, no explanation. You can't have a fucking saga, an an episodic saga. You can't without a story. You can't have an episodic saga without a why attached to it. Man, you guys are fucking weak. You really are. The IWC is weak. You see, Cody, Cody, Cody. You see all this bullshit with Cody. Cody, Cody, can I ask you a question, Cody? You see all this shit. And there's not one fucking explanation. Couldn't be me. Every single thing that I do, there's a why attached. Every single thing that you do, as soon as you open your eyes, as soon as you open your eyes, the first thing that you do, there is a reason attached to it. Why do you get up and go to the fucking bathroom first thing in the morning? Well, you had too much to drink the night before. My bladder was going to fucking explode. Why do you wake up and brush your fucking teeth first thing in the morning? Because you don't want your fucking boss to smell your fucking goddamn diarrhea breath. Seriously. Why do you get up and go to work in the morning? Because I need to pay the bills and I need to keep a roof over my head. Why do you have lunch in the middle of the afternoon? I'm fucking hungry. I gotta get some form of energy in me to finish out my work shift. Why am I going to the gym three days a week with my guy, Dr. Evil Genius? Because I want to get in better shape and be in the best shape of my fucking life at the age of 41. That's why. Every single fucking decision that you do in this life is going to have why attached to it. I mean, why am I an asshole? I don't think I have an answer for that, Jesse. Because I can. And I'm a damn good one at that. I mean, please tell me when I'm telling lies. Seriously. We don't need an explanation. Your fucking life doesn't need an explanation then. It's unbelievable how people are so fucking blind. And accepting of mediocrity. I can't wait for this shit to be over. I can't. And the biggest question I have 
is what is WWE going to do with Cody Rhodes after he's done with Brock Lesnar? Who is he going to feud with after Brock Lesnar? Is he going after Rollins in the World's Heavyweight title? Is he going to finish the story there? This man legitimately said today that there would be no jealousy if Jey Uso was the one to take down Roman Reigns and win the World's Heavyweight Championship. Bullshit. There'd be no jealousy at all if Jey Uso beat Roman Reigns and won the Universal Heavyweight Championship. I call bullshit on that, Cody. Is he going to feud with Rollins? Are they going to give him Randy Orton? Are they going to have him feud with Gunther? Are they going to have him feud with a returning Bray Wyatt? We don't know. We don't. I can't wait for this shit to be over. It's been rinse and repeat every single fucking week. And you people have the fucking rose-colored glasses on. Take them bitches off. See what this really is. Garbage. This entire feud has made Cody look like a fucking geek. This man came out. This man attacked Cody in front of his fucking mother. And this guy gets in the ring and like a fucking retard shakes this man's hand. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Is Cody a gullible, dumb baby face? This is the guy, right? I don't know what the fuck they're doing, but I can sit here and tell you until I'm blue in the fucking face. Cody does not feel the same as when he first came back in the WWE. This is the worst Cody Rhodes has been portrayed. This has been the worst Cody Rhodes has been presented. And this is the worst Cody Rhodes momentum ever. Ever. He's got zero momentum going into this match. Zero. You can sit there and fucking eat up your wow all you want. Because that's all he is. That's all Cody Rhodes is right now. He's a fucking theme. Until that changes, my opinion stays the way it is, like I stated tonight. Gunther. He went one-on-one with Chad Gable. Apparently, this was set up because Gunther... Did I miss... I think I missed Champa. I think I missed Champa and Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm skipping ahead here, man. I'm sorry. I actually skipped ahead. Before all of this, we got Gable and Otis with Gunther backstage and Tommaso Champa. I went right to the Cody Rhodes shit. So let's backtrack a little bit. Gable and Otis. Gable and Otis were backstage. They congratulated Maxine Dupree and said that they were proud of her. They said they were going to win the Battle Royal in Walked Imperium. Gunther said Kaiser restored honor to this great sport. In the first match, and Maxine ruined it right afterwards. No lies detected by Gunther. Maxine said her coach is an Olympic athlete. Gunther called Otis a freak. And Kaiser said Gable wouldn't last five minutes with the ring general. Gunther said that's a good point. He said his soul could benefit from dragging someone around the ring a little bit. Says he won't need five minutes to beat him. Gable says, I'll last five hours and told Gunther to leave his crew in the back and I will do the same. Gunther says he would see him later. Gunther and Chad Gable inject that shit into my fucking blood, man. Honestly. 
Now, five minutes, it was at this point in the show, five minutes. They were giving these guys five minutes. These guys should be given 25 minutes. Never mind five minutes. But we got a five minutes time limit between Gunther and Chad Gable. Tommaso Ciampa, he went one-on-one with Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know where we're going with this. I don't know how anybody finds this shit interesting. I don't even know what they're doing with Shinsuke Nakamura. Is he a babyface? Is he a heel? Don't know. They're not doing Tommaso Ciampa any favors either. They're not. And I'm still asking every fucking week, where is Johnny Gargano? Where is he? Has he boycotted coming back because he knows who's really running the show? Where is he? You know, there was a report by Fightful that stated Vince McMahon canceled the reunion of The Way. Triple H wanted to get Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano, Indy Hartwell, and Candice LeRae back on television. Champa, was he going to be a part of that? I don't know. If you want to include Champa in that, so be it. If it was going to be the original members of The Way, or if it was going to be The Way and Champa, whatever the case may be, Vince McMahon canceled those plans. This is why you don't see Candice LeRae on television, Dexter Loomis on television, Indy Hartwell on television, and Johnny Gargano on television. But here we see Tommaso Ciampa on television. Yet you still have people out there thinking that Triple H is running the fucking show, that Triple H is running creative. If Triple H is running creative, then what Triple H wants will be on the show. If Triple H was running creative then Triple H would have the final say. How can Triple H run creative if Triple H wanted one thing to happen and it was fucking axed and vinced by McMahon himself? I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it, man. Do you, do you guys use your brains? Are you that fucking stupid? Triple H is not running creative. He may have a hand in what happens on the show. He may be an assistant, He's an assistant to the head of creative. He's he's an assistant to Vince McMahon. That's who's running the show. Otherwise, we we would have seen The Way and Johnny Gargano back on television. The fuck are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? Week after week after week after week after week, Johnny Gargano should have been on television. Maybe they got something better planned for him. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they'll debut him after SummerSlam. Fuck out of here. Champa landed a DDT for a near fall. Bronson Reed was watching this match backstage. Big Bronson Reed. Not sure if you guys are aware. Bronson Reed's a large man. Vince thinks he's big. Big, in other words, is fat to Vince McMahon. Fat Bronson Reed. He says, nothing better in life than watching two people you can't stand beat up each other, says Corey Graves. Champa avoided a flying knee by Nakamura. Nakamura fired back with a high kick. He landed a big knee to the ribs. He goes for recovery, gets a near fall on Champa. Nakamura escaped a fairy tale ending and then rolled up Champa for a three count by hooking the tights. So are we really getting a Shinsuke Nakamura teasing a heel turn? Is that what we're getting? Because the crowd gave zero fucks about Nakamura. And zero fucks about Tommaso Ciampa. No, but Triple H is running the show. 
Triple H is running creative. This went from Miz and Reed having some sort of alignment, right? To Miz not even being involved. And I'm struggling to find out where the story is here with Champa and Nakamura. What is the problem? Nakamura didn't like Champa interfering in his business. I'm struggling to find a reason to care three weeks later. What are we doing? Are we looking at Bronson Reed and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa? Is this how we're going to get Johnny Gargano back involved here? Where is this going? Meanwhile, Tommaso Ciampa could be built up as a top babyface on this show. He could be somebody that could realistically be the one to take down Gunther if they wanted to build him up. I would much rather see him and Johnny Gargano paired in a fucking tag team. That's what I'd like to see. Nakamura, they brought him back. Triple H brought him back and built him back up as a superstar. And now Vince McMahon reeled that in. And now we're struggling to find a fucking reason to care about Nakamura. Vince McMahon had this guy dead to rights as soon as he started tinkering with Triple H's original vision. Fans were cheering Nakamura. He was over as a babyface. Now he's getting zero reaction. Zero. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what he is. What are we doing here? Bronson Reed is way too good to be mingling in this nothingness. Bronson Reed should be competing for an IC title, a U.S. title. Bronson Reed has been fucking impressive. What are we doing here? Find some meaning for these guys, because this is your undercard. Don't know. Rhea Ripley. She took out Raquel Rodriguez's knee earlier in the night. We go backstage, and Rodriguez was on the trainer's table, and the doctor was looking at her knee. Adam Pierce walked in and said, as soon as she is cleared, he will book her against Rhea Ripley. For the women's championship. So a lot of people were speculating that Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez could potentially be taking place at SummerSlam. It's not. WWE is not going with this match at SummerSlam. She will be at SummerSlam to be in the corner of her Judgment Day buddies. But Rhea Ripley herself will not be defending that title at SummerSlam. Kind of a lame way to go about it, but that's WWE creative for you. So what WWE more than likely is doing is being that Raquel Rodriguez had her partner on the shelf due to Rhea Ripley. And now Rhea Ripley took out Raquel again here with another shot block, and she's not cleared. I'm assuming she's not going to be cleared by Saturday for SummerSlam. What WWE more than likely is doing here is they're sending Raquel and Rhea to Pittsburgh for payback. Payback. Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez for the Women's Championship at Payback. It kind of goes with the theme of what's going on there. Raquel looking for Payback against Rhea Ripley. Kind of makes sense. That's where they're going with that. That's my prediction. We talked about Brock and Cody. That came after that segment. We go right to Chad Gable and Gunther. Five-minute time limit. This was great. Absolutely great stuff here. So I was upset that this was was a five-minute challenge. I'm like, how the fuck can you give these guys five minutes? Really, guy? 
Really, Vince? So, we go from a lazy fucking five-minute gimmick to what ended up being a 12-minute banger. Thought this was great shit. Probably the best match of the entire night. The two locked up. Gunther threw Gable across the ring. Gunther threw Gable again. Gable went for a takedown. It started kind of slow, man. They were building up to something here in the first five minutes. Gunther worked over Gable's leg. The two then start a test of strength. Obviously, Gunther won that. Gunther stomped on Gable's head. Gunther slammed Gable and covered him twice for one counts. Gable then fired up and chopped Gunther, but Gunther cut him off with a European uppercut. Gunther landed a big chop to Gable's chest, knocked him right out. Gunther went for a powerbomb, but Gable rolled out and then rolled out of it into an ankle lock. So the two guys get to their feet. Gunther hit another chop, followed by a sleeper. Gable was fading away. It looked like Gunther was going to win within the five-minute time limit. Gunther went for the powerbomb, but Gable worked out of it. And that was enough for Gable to last the five minutes as he shoved Gunther to the outside. The bell rings, and it looked like Gunther was going to get a loss here on the go-home show before his match with Drew McIntyre. Now, it would have been a loss, but he wouldn't have been pinned. Gunther should not be taking losses, period, no matter what. DQ, count out, time limit draw. Gunther should not be losing. So after the match was over, Gunther got a microphone and yelled at the match, needed to continue. And then all of a sudden, the timekeeper comes up and tells the ring announcer, Samantha Irving, that there will be more time added. This match will continue. So we go from five minutes. Everybody was upset. Five minutes, that's it. And we got another seven minutes on top of that. Great. Great. Can't ask for more, man. So we got the match started. Gable landed a drop kick. We got a commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Gunther was chopping Gable in the corner. Gable grabbed Gunther's arm, sunk in an armbar submission. Gable followed up with a drop kick. He went for another one. Gunther moved out of the way. Gable came right back and worked another armbar. Gunther got out of it, hit a German suplex. He goes for recovery, gets a two count. Gunther goes up top. Gable cut him off. Huge superplex by Gable on Gunther. Beautiful. Now both guys are on their feet. Gable hit a bunch of strikes before Gunther slowed it down with a chop. Gable comes back with a German suplex, which was a two counts. A very deep two count. Gunther got up, landed his big boot, chop, knocked him down, goes for cover. He gets a two count. Gable went for another German suplex, but Gunther countered with a series of chops. He finally finished with a powerbomb attempt, and that was enough to get the win. Now, Gable did try chaos theory on Gunther. He did not get it. At some point, that man is going to hit chaos theory on Gunther, and it's going to be fucking something that rocks the crowd. Seriously. So after the match is over, he gets the microphone. He stands on the announce table. Celebrate my success, says Gunther. And on Saturday, he will not lose the Intercontinental World Heavyweight Championship. Gunther said on Saturday, he's going to end Drew McIntyre. Has anybody else really loved Gunther's mic work lately? Lately, I think Gunther's mic work has been fucking great, man. He's got this, he's got this prick attitude to him. This pompous conceited, 
you know, prick-like attitude does Gunther have. I love it. I love it. He could be sarcastic when he wants to. He can play dirty when he wants to. I, I think it's great. This man is fucking phenomenal, man. Best part of WWE TV, not named Roman Reigns, is Gunther. When this man is the world champion, man, oh my goodness, we will get a proper world champion with world championship matches when Gunther is the champion. Not this fucking random tag team match every fucking week. How many versions of a Judgment Day tag team match against Rollins, against Owens, against Zayn every single fucking week? Excellent match with Gable. It was slaughtered for five minutes. It goes nearly 13. Can't ask for more, man. Can't ask for more. Great shit. Cody Rhodes. He was backstage. He was interviewed by Byron Saxton. Cody said Brock could break his arm, break his ribs, break his jaw. But at SummerSlam, the aura of Brock Lesnar will be shattered. Thanks, Cody. Thank you, Cody. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Thank you for saying literally the same fucking thing every... My chair is fucking up, man. Every single fucking time I gotta lift my chair up. I don't know what the fucking problem is with this goddamn fucking chair, man. I'm so fucking angry I'm gonna throw the goddamn chair out the window. So angry at this Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar shit too, man. Holy shit. And I'm sure if he broke his arm, broke his ribs, broke his jaw, he'd still be at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch. She made her way out there, and she was in the middle of the ring. Becky. Well, the microphone said, the man has come around to Texas. Houston, Texas. Becky Lynch said she's done everything she needed to do to get a rematch with Trish Stratus. Becky said she can't think of a better place than here or a better time than now to fight Trish. Stratus walked out with a microphone. Stratus told Becky that nobody tells Trish when to fight. Stratus said she'll tell Becky when Becky gets her rematch. Trish said the one thing that she is not is a cheater. Unlike the Houston Astros. Everybody booed. Might have been the best thing that Trish Stratus ever said on the microphone as a heel. Stratus began to say when the rematch would happen, but Adam Pearce comes out and interrupted Trish. Adam Pearce said the match is going to happen right here tonight, right now. So we got Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus tonight on Monday Night Raw, man. Impromptu. Great. Becky Lynch defeated Trish Stratus in four seconds. I wish this match would have ended the entire feud, man. I would have left Monday Night Raw a happy camper. Becky Lynch defeated Trish Stratus via DQ because of Zoe Stark immediately coming into the ring when the bell rang and then beat down Becky, causing a DQ, ends in four seconds. After the match, Lynch took it to both Stark and Stratus around the ring. Lynch took Stratus's face protector off before Stark cut Becky off. Stratus hit Lynch with a chair, and both Stratus and Zoe 
walked away as Lynch sold all the pain that they inflicted upon her to end the segment. So after this match was over, we go backstage and Stratus is with Stark and they were confronted by Adam Pearce. Adam Pearce said, in two weeks in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Stratus will face Becky Lynch with Zoe Stark banned from ringside. So that is quite interesting. We're not getting Becky versus Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. Interesting. Seen some nobody geek accounts online complaining that we're not getting Becky at SummerSlam and we're not getting this major match happening at SummerSlam. I can't even begin to tell you how omitting this match has made SummerSlam a better show because of it. Now, WWE, realistically, we could get a four and a half hour, five hour show if they wanted, but that's not what Triple H Wants to do with a pay-per-view. Quality over quantity. Less is more. Get with the program. Realistically, we could have had four women's matches on this show. Asuka, Charlotte, and Bianca. Rhea versus Raquel. Shayna and Ronda. Trish and Becky. Four women's matches on a SummerSlam card is way too much. Half of these feuds don't even have heat. They don't. Trish and Becky have no fucking heat whatsoever. Asuka, Charlotte, and Bianca have no heat whatsoever. Ronda and Shayna, at the end of tonight, have more heat than all of these matches combined. And then Rhea and Raquel can't put that on the show because it literally would have been built with two weeks of build. Everybody's complaining. Oh, why is WWE omitting women's matches from SummerSlam? Let me tell you something, you fucking half-witted idiots. You don't need four women's matches on a fucking eight-match card. Okay? You don't need that many women's matches. Half the women's matches that half the matches at SummerSlam are women's matches? Why would anybody want that? Who asks for that? Who asks for that? That's not making the show better. That's actually making the show worse. Now, what they did, if you actually sit down and fucking think for a second and use your brain, what they did is omit two matches here. Shayna and Ronda, MMA rules, Charlotte, Bianca, Oscar. okay? Shayna and Ronda, not going to leave Ronda Rousey off of the fucking card because she's the biggest name that they got, right? Bianca, Charlotte, and Oscar at least has had weeks of TV build. Lackluster build, very, very lame build, but TV build nonetheless. The other two matches, Becky and Trish, no matter what you think, you may be a Becky stan, you may be a Trish Stratus fanatic, the match has zero fucking heat. The fucking dump that I took this morning has more heat than Becky and fucking Trish Stratus, okay? And then you got Raquel and Rhea. Can't book a match in two weeks and put it on SummerSlam. There's no heat there. So what they did is give you the two matches with the most build, put it on SummerSlam, saving Becky and Trish for Canada, which is Trish's home country. They'll be wrestling on Monday Night Raw. It gives Monday Night Raw a marquee match, which we should see more marquee matches on weekly television anyway. 
And then we have Raquel and Rhea. Would you rather them go into SummerSlam with two weeks of build and a nothing match? Or would you rather them build some more intrigue and maybe a potential story there leading into the next pay-per-view, which is called Payback, which would actually fit the build to that match better just based off the name of the pay-per-view? People don't think. Everything's got to be now, 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 now. We need more, more women's matches because I got a narrative to fucking fulfill and I got a narrative to shill to my fucking followers on social media. We don't need four women's matches on any show ever. Ever. If it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. Two of these matches did not work. Two of them did. The matches that did get on SummerSlam. The matches that don't, they are spread about. And put elsewhere. Very simple. This was one of the best decisions that WWE has made going into SummerSlam. Main event. Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn against Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. You are really losing my interest and attention when it's the same main event every single week. Legitimately. How many different variations of Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins versus the Judgment Day can we see? I'm done. I'm tired of it. And the funny thing is the matches are never bad. These guys are incapable of delivering a bad match. But when you see the same thing over and over and over again, you start to question and then zone out. You could legitimately find anything else to do, and it would be more interesting than watching the same rerun match over and over and over again. This match did nothing to build intrigue outside of the ending. Nothing. We're going to jump right to the ending, because that's all that really fucking matters here. We go to commercial break. When the show comes back, Dominic had control over Seth. Damien Priest tagged in. Rollins rolled away, got the hot tag to Sammy. He took Priest out. Zayn threw Priest to the outside. Zayn landed a dive onto Damien Priest, taking him out. Back inside, Zayn landed a tornado DDT, DDT on Dominic. Dominic, or actually on Priest, I'm sorry. Tornado DDT on Priest, but Dominic broke up the pin. Dominic tagged in, set up Zayn for a 619. Dominic ran towards Zayn. Zayn clotheslined Dom. Zayn tagged back into Rollins, and Priest tagged in as well. Rollins to the tope, uh, Suicida onto Priest, who was on the outside. Rollins then had a stare down with Balor, who was on the outside, and rolled Priest back into the ring. Priest went for South of Heaven. Rollins countered and hit a super kick. Dom cut Seth off. Zayn took out Dom again. Rhea Ripley ran over to yell at Sami Zayn. And while the referee was yelling at Ripley, Balor drop-kicked Zayn. Inside the ring, Priest landed a razor's edge. But instead of pinning Seth Rollins, he goes and asks for the money in the bank briefcase. After the razor's edge, he wanted to cash in the briefcase. So this week, this week he wanted to cash in the briefcase. But last week, they had a four-on-one advantage and beat Rollins down to an inch of his life And all four of them stood over Rollins as Monday Night Raw went off the air. He didn't think to cash in last week. But this week he wanted to cash in. I mean, how to make somebody look like a fucking idiot in one week 
WWE did that with Damian Priest. Don't get it. What the fuck do I know, man? I only ask the questions. Nobody asked that question legitimately. Nobody asked that question at the fucking writers' meeting before this show, right? You know, nobody asked. Well, 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 how come he didn't cash in last week when he had him dead to rights, but this week he wants to cash in? Does, isn't that going to make him look a little silly? So he tried to cash in the briefcase. Priest asked for the briefcase. Beller handed him the briefcase, but he didn't cash it in because Rollins super kicked Priest. It looked like Balor took a little bit too much time deliberately handing the briefcase to Priest. He was conflicted. He didn't want him to cash it in because he wants to be the one to beat Rollins. And then he started saying, all right, all right, here you go, here you go. Beat him, beat him, cash it in, cash it in. Rollins... He took advantage of that little hesitation, super kick Priest. Rollins landed a stomp on Priest for the one, two, three. Rollins and Zayn posed in the ring, and the show comes to a close. That was it. That was your go-home show from Monday Night Raw. I don't really have anything else to add. They really made Damian Priest look like a dummy for not cashing in last week, but this week he wanted to cash in. So outside of Imperium, Gunther and Gable, Kaiser and Riddle, the Shayna and Ronda promo video package that they did, outside that, I don't really have much to say about Monday Night Raw outside of what I usually say. Boring, just a very unintelligent fucking sludge of a three-hour show. Nothing nothing on this show got you any more excited going into SummerSlam. Zero. Ricochet and Logan Paul was great tonight as well. I thought they had a very uh, effective opening promo to start the show. Outside that, nothing. Outside that, nothing. Thank you guys for joining me on the show tonight, man. We are going to get into the Super Chats as it now is last call. In the OTS venue right here at the Beer Garden. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it. SmackDown, Collision... We did NXT Great American Bash, and I'll be live tomorrow night with my guy Andrew Baydala, episode 7 of Tuesday, Night Titans. Hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 745 likes right now. I'd love if we can get as close to 1,000 before we get the hell out of here tonight. And hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for all notifications. MGM balling with a 499. Gable and Gunther are incredible, but I wish it ended after the five minutes. I'd like Gable to be built up to dethrone him eventually. OTS forever. I forgot to add that, man. I forgot to talk about that. You know, you, you talk about who's going to take down Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Should it really be Drew McIntyre? Or does Chad Gable, after tonight, really put his name into the discussion? Because I, I would love to see a program between Chad Gable and Gunther. I really would. I would not mind if Gunther took that belt off of, or Chad Gable rather, took that belt off of Gunther. 
I think that would be phenomenal. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. I was happy that Sammy got a win. But it feels like Seth is retaining his belt on Saturday, possibly due to a failed cash-in. And please end this Cody Brock thing on Saturday. Uh, I'm going with Finn Balor to win the title. I think Finn Balor should absolutely win the title on Saturday night. Finn Balor may win the title on Saturday night, and we may get, we may get Damian Priest cashing in. Honestly. Sean Ray J with a $10 Super Chat. Tonight felt like Triple H trying to add heat to these feuds that Vince booked. Packages were great all night. The flow of the show was good. Also, Rhea being the world champ not booked at SummerSlam is a bad look. Is it a bad look or is it smart? WWE has ruined Rhea Ripley's title run because they're focusing more on her relationship with Dominic than they are her title reign and finding an opponent for her. There is nobody on Monday night suitable enough to be in the ring with Rhea Ripley because of the division being shallow. That's WWE's fault. That's not Rhea Ripley's fault. Tony Brown. $5 Super Chat. JD, not much booty meat lately. Well... I mean, if you want booty meat, Tony Brown, you got to watch AEW Dynamite. That's where it all happens. Scripps with a $5 super chat. I had to send the super chat your way because anyone who can get the good Dr. Disrespect on his show deserves it. I didn't get Doc to do that for me. That was done, I believe, either earlier in the year or late last year. I've had that shit queued up, man, for a little bit. I just found a reason to use it tonight. That was on one of his live streams. He tends to break out in songs sometimes. Wallach Wall with an I-99. What if Vince retires due to his surgery? I would have much rather seen Damian Priest challenge Gunther than win money in the bank. Chad Gable, Bronson Reed should also challenge Gunther. JD is the king of the IWC. Thank you, Wallach. No, I don't think uh, Damian Priest challenging Gunther would have been better, man. I would have rather had Damian Priest won money in the bank. Jabril Muhammad with a four ninety nine. You claim TNT is your favorite show of the week. Then Jesse dumps you for Impact on Saturday. Coincidence? I think not, pal. LOL. Love you, man. Uh, Jabril, it's not that uh, difficult to really wrap your head around. Jesse wanted to do something that is going to benefit him and his streaming career. And I am okay with that. I don't need Jesse on a Saturday night. I could do Saturday night myself. Sometimes you guys actually prefer me by myself instead of with Jesse. So if Jesse wants to take off on a Saturday night to go attend an impact taping to further his uh, YouTube career, I'm all in support of that. He didn't dump me for Impact. He dumped me because he's got a good thing going there, covering Impact. Dumb Wapo with a 199. Loved how Logan played with some of the what chance. Logan Paul gets it, brother. Logan Paul gets it. Phil with a 20 months. I watched the Cody documentary during Raw. It was way more important to me than the go-home show. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. 10 out of 10. 
Uh, Phil, I'm actually going to watch it at some point tomorrow, I believe. Thank you for the 20 months, brother. Jericho, 8131 with a $10 super chat. It's nice to be back in the super chats. According to Cody's interview with Chris Van Vliet, Kevin Dunn is behind the double woes because he likes the sound of fans singing. Beaver Boy strikes again. Well, Kevin Dunn is a master of his profession, bro. So if Kevin Dunn said so, then Kevin Dunn said so. I would I would not like to listen to American Idol while watching WWE television. They're over-embellishing it for sure. All we need is Simon Cowell on Monday Night Raw, and then we're all set to go. Thank you, brother. Sean Ray J with a $5 Super Chat. Did anyone else realize Samantha Irving wasn't saying the ring general like she usually does? Wonder if she was told by someone not to do it. I didn't pay attention to that. One of the best things that she does is introduce Imperium. Dr. Evil Genius with a 199. How are those shoulders feeling? Uh, I feel like I worked them out, man. Feel like I worked them out, but I'm feeling all right, brother. About to have my protein when the show is over. MGM balling with a 499. Want to clarify on my earlier super chat? I'd never complain about more Gable Gunther. I just didn't want to see Gable lose his all. It was a banger. Chad Gable's not a priority, man. He's going to take a loss. He's going to take a loss. As long as they continue to build momentum as a babyface team, I think he'll be fine. G2G Corey with a new membership. Thank you, man. What the fuck are you drinking, Corey? Alan Conway. With a four ninety nine. Hey, JD, sending love from the UK. Just finishing up my night shift and then off to bed. Looking forward to AEW at Wembley later this month. Love you, bro. Hopefully you come out to the meet and greet, man, when it's announced. We're looking for something really, really, really sleek and classy. DJ Izzy Rose with a one ninety nine. Love the show. Drinking Ultra. Can't wait for Saturday. Thank you, DJ. Appreciate you very much, man. Twenty four with a one ninety nine. Story started at SummerSlam, and Finn will end it at SummerSlam. I hope so. I hope so, man. And then Sue Childress with a five dollar super chat. Great analysis of Raw, and I agree that the feuds on Raw need to have plots later. Thank you, Sue. Yes. Nothing really makes sense, man. You could tell that something in the creative bubble has been compromised. Vince has compromised the creative bubble. Guys, that's all I got for you, man. Hopefully you enjoyed the uh, breakdown of Monday Night Raw tonight. I will get back to work on some videos tomorrow. You may get something in the afternoon. And then Drew and I, Andrew Baydala, and I will be live. TNT Tuesday night. Titans at 8.30 tomorrow night. 
Should be a good one, man. Should be a good one. We're going to talk SummerSlam. We're going to talk all the hottest news and rumors in the community, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that thumbs up. Got 775 likes. I would love if we could get as close to 1,000 as possible. Thank you for the super chats tonight. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and go check out all the other content on the channel, man. More of it coming this week. We're going to start We're gonna start August hot. It's going to be a big week, man. We got SummerSlam on Saturday. I'm going to give you guys all that I got this week right here on OTS. Until then, guys, I'll see you tomorrow with Andrew on TNT episode number 7 tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later. Nothing just to feel something
Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.